Ag State of Mind, episode 39. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello, welcome back to Ag State of Mind, a member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows, and today on the show, we continue our series on beef producers with Marky Hageman. Marky is a wonderful woman from California who has a wonderful story of her involvement in the beef industry about how she did not grow up in the industry. And, uh, you know, like we talked about with Tyler Keckley a couple of weeks ago, um, just because you did not grow up directly involved in ag, your family wasn't involved in ag, does not mean that you cannot be involved yourself. Um, there's no rule that says that. I think that's something I might have thought uh, probably before this year in that thinking, especially around here, most of the people who are involved in agriculture are generational. And, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of a paradigm shift to believe that there are people who can get involved if their family isn't involved. And I just like any other industry, and um, it just takes special planning and passion and commitment. And Marky has all of those things. Uh, she has uh, just started her own little small herd with three Hereford heifers, and she tells a little bit about her journey through uh, a California girl moving to Alabama to be involved in the cattlemen's organizations down there, and then moving back to California to kind of do her own thing there. Uh, it's just really a wonderful story. And I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to share that with everyone here. Marky is a, is a great girl. Her and I met a few years ago. I'm sorry, a few months ago at, uh, seems like a few years ago after all that's happened since then, but, uh, at NCBA convention back in San Antonio in February. So, um, really cool to get to talk to her again. Her and I have had lots of positive interaction online and I'm very excited for y'all to hear her story. All right, Marky, thanks for coming on today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. You know, it's been a nice few days here. I know it's supposed to get hot this weekend, but uh, I'm really kind of enjoying some summer weather right now. What is the temperature there? It's 82, like I think 82 or like, so it was somewhere between like 82 and 86 today all day, but like the humidity is not too high yet. So it's been really nice, but I think this weekend it's supposed to get up in the nineties and like have, once they start using the word heat index, that's when I start hating summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. We have, we've been pretty like, we've had nice temperature here, which by this time, usually we're in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. So it's been really nice here too, about the same, the same temperature wise. Right, right. So you and I, we've, I think we connected over social media for the first time. And then we actually got a chance to meet at NCBA a few months ago, you know, right before COVID shut everything down. Like that, I, I feel like that was like another lifetime ago when we were still having these crazy, you know, conventions and meetings. So it's really good to actually get to see you and talk to you again. I know. Yeah, that was, we got lucky with that. We did. To 
Oh my gosh. Cause that yeah. was like really right there when that mm -hmm. happened. Well, I think it was, I mean, it was March just a less than a month later and it was, you know, everything was shut down. So, cause like they shut down the Houston rodeo, which is right mm -hmm. soon after that, you know, and then everything just kind of fell apart. Yeah. So like I said, we met at NCBA and you do a lot of things. Like, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I feel like you've got a lot of irons in the fire. So I feel like you've just, you're very inspiring with all the stuff that you've got going on. So just tell everybody a little bit about you, you know, how, where you grew up, how you grew up. Um, and then like kind of what landed you to where you are today? Oh gosh. Well, I'm glad you're inspired by me because sometimes every day I'm just like, pulling my hair out, just so stressed, like, why am I doing this to myself? So it's good to hear that. I, so I grew up here in, in the Central Valley in California. And, you know, like I've told my story a few times before, I grew up on a horse ranch mm -hmm. and it was just more of like people boarded their horses there. So it wasn't even like we were breeding and, and selling horses at all. It was literally just other people's animals. But I did show animals in 4-H and when I got to high school, I wanted nothing to do with any of it. And I was actually in high school, I was a part of drama. I was a part of journalism and yearbook and fashion classes. And I didn't really like spending time on, we called it the ranch. It was, you know, about 20 acres, but um, I just, I, I was gonna move to LA I was going to go to fashion school down there and I was going to try to become an actress. I just thought that I was going to be like the next Disney Channel star or something. And I got into college and I was actually for a fashion merchandising major when I got mm -hmm. into college. And it was just general education I was taking at that point. But when it kind of came down to, okay, now I got to like transfer to the fashion institute in LA um my mom sat me down and she was like what are you uh what are you going to do with your horse when you move <laughs> you're not taking your horse to an apartment in downtown LA and she's like how how are you going to pay for it and you know she kind of just gave me all of these like hurdles i would have to to jump over and i think you know back then i definitely was angry with her because she was like that dream crusher mm -hmm. but looking back now, I'm really thankful for it because I think she just, she let me kind of be who I wanted to be, but then she would rein, be, rein me back in when I felt like, you know, when she felt like I was getting a little too um, city for her. <laughs> but I kind of sat down with myself, I guess. And I thought, why, you know, what do I want to do? What do I love the most in my life? And the things that I love the most in my life that I've always loved the most in my life. And my boyfriend can attest to this are my animals. <laughs> and so that's when I thought, you know, why don't I do something with, with animals and vet school never really spoke to me, but, um, that's when I discovered like animal science. And so I was about two years into college when I decided to major in agriculture. And from there, I changed my major probably 10 times. Mm -hmm. And then I dropped out of college because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And it's hard coming into production ag or even just the ag industry in general when you're like a, an adult. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember sitting in classes at Fresno State and I, I distinctly remember 
Um, it was a couple classes. I had like my crop science class and then I had, I don't even know. I think it was my beef production class. Uh -huh. Okay. Beef production, which is funny because that's where I am now. But uh -huh. uh, uh, I remember sitting there and my instructors were, you know, telling me, you know, lecturing us about whatever the lesson was that day. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't know what any of this is. I don't know what any of this means. And I was really discouraged because I thought I'm never going to be able to, to fit in here. And so I just kept changing my major because I thought, well, this isn't fitting. So I'm going to try this. And so I went from like equine science to ag education, to beef management, to um, plant science, to where I ended up in ag business. But that's why I didn't graduate college until I was 29 because I just didn't know what I was doing and I never felt like there was a place for me. But in 2016, I moved to Alabama and my mom and my stepdad have a small uh, commercial cow-calf operation. And I just in, remember- in, Al in Alabama? Yeah, in okay. Auburn, Alabama. Okay, well, okay. Uh, Lochapoca, but uh -huh. um, uh, it's easier to say I, Auburn. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, that's we're practically, and it's cooler to say, you know. Right, right, right. But, uh, but I remember knowing that I wanted to to make friends there, and my mom and my stepdad are were really involved with the Cattlemen's Association, mm -hmm. and so I was completely terrified, but I thought, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to get involved and that's how I'm going to meet people. And that's how I'm going to figure out what I want to do. At that point, I didn't know I wanted to do anything with beef, but, um, I was just trying to figure out a way to get involved and not to interrupt you, but how, how were you received in that kind of space? Well, being from California, uh-huh. And going to the South, uh -huh. it never really works out for you very well. Um, people were definitely like, and, and because my personality, I'm not very good at pretending like I know things and I'm not very good at, sometimes I feel like I act like a ditzy blonde, but it, it, that's not what I'm trying to do. It's just because if I don't know something, I don't know it and I'm uh -huh. not going to pretend like I do. Sure. So showing up to these meetings and like trying to have conversations with people and then them finding out that I'm, you know, from California, people definitely were like, interesting. How, why are you here? Uh -huh. No one was ever like rude to me in that sense. It was just, they more were wondering how I kind of take it, kind of taken aback. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because and let's be honest, it is, it, you are on a very unique path. I feel like, I mean, there, it's very rare that, you know, a girl from California moves to the deep South to, and tries to figure out the cattle industry. I think it shows the importance of trying to have an open mind with folks. Yes. And I'm glad that you understand that because I think Sometimes, uh, especially when you're, you know, in an industry where it's Southern men sometimes, and mm -hmm. I, I definitely don't like, I, I'm not like a feminist by any means, if that's okay to like say that on the show, but sure. no, um, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> um, I, it's, it was something I did have to overcome because it was hard for me to have conversations and be able to feel like I could ask questions and rather than just know 
the mm -hmm. the topic you know i was surrounded by all these people who did know what they were talking about and i came in not knowing anything and my hope was just that i could show people yeah i can i can come from you know absolutely no knowledge of this and be able to still fit in and still be able to be a part of the industry that you know in the aspects that they were you know like going to the the um, conferences or you know being a part of cattlemen's and and things like that still being able to hold my own i guess is what i wanted to show people is i may not know it all but i can still be a part of it sure um, yeah and so yeah that was uh it was interesting they um i actually had i have to thank my young farmers um he was the the president of our young farmers um, chapter when I got there. His name was Daniel Molinex, mm -hmm. and he just uh, he welcomed me with open arms. He was the one who got me to enter into discussion meet, and he was the one who was anytime I had a question on anything, he was there. And going to a state where I didn't know anyone, going into an industry where I didn't know anything, uh, especially Alabama, because I will say Alabama's ag industry is so tight knit mm -hmm. um, and so specialized. Whereas with like California, we have a lot of diversity and you have so many people and so many different operations that you don't even, I, there are so many people I don't even know. Mm -hmm. um, sure. The state. So going to Alabama, it was hard, but um, it was, it was just fun because I got to, you know, I got to do discussion meet. I joined Young Farmers. I joined my Cattlemen's Association. I became an officer almost, you know, immediately. Um, I, I was the reporter, which kind of is kind of sort of how I got into communications because as a reporter, I was, you know, handling our social media and, you know, doing different different things around the communication side of your, you know, associations. And so while I was there, I joined, I don't know if you've heard of Animal Ag Alliance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they have the college Aggies online uh -huh. contest every year. Somehow I, I heard of that. I have no idea. I spend a lot of time on social media, so I think that's <laughs> how I heard of it. But it they they opened up the contest and it was for any, you know, college uh, student. And what you did was for I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was eight weeks maybe a little bit longer. Each week you had like a, a task and it was posting something on social media that was advocating agriculture. Mm -hmm. And each week it was like a different thing. So we had um, like poultry industry one week, we had beef one week, we had dairy the next week, we had um, swine, we had all these different industries, all these different aspects. And we had these like challenges we had to I guess, compete in and judges from within the industry, uh, usually like, you know, communications directors from, you know, different um, associations, they judged us. And I actually ended up placing top 10 out of that. And um, I like and to tell so people- And you, so you, you, you placed top 10 with, without any real life experience with any of this stuff, right? I mean- Right. I mean, pretty much. I mean, is, am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, really, the only um, experience I had was back when I was in elementary school and I showed a lamb and a hog. Um, I think I showed lambs two years and I think I showed hogs two years. Uh -huh. but, but at that point, I didn't know, you know, right. I was a little. It was my mom who was doing everything. Sure. 
so yeah, I had no, I had no knowledge of the industry. I had no, I, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> That's my motto. I have no idea what I'm doing, but, um, I placed top eight because I rapped and I created rap parodies and that was just something different that I think, don't think they'd ever seen. Are those available online anywhere? Um, possibly you might have to dig a gotta little bit. Gotta, gotta go I, down some wormholes. Yeah, I will. I will not be revealing those, but <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm sure they are still there. But, um, but that's, I like to tell people I, I'm a professional rapper because we got paid every time we won. Like, Hey, every, yeah, that's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like, of course. I'm practically Eminem. So, <laughs> so I did, I, I won that and that kind of really inspired me to start advocating online. And I was at that point I was living on, you know, 60 acres. We had, my mom had sheep, goats. We had, at the time we had hogs, we had the cattle mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, here I have this opportunity to kind of show what life is like on mm -hmm. the ranch. Yeah. And it was kind of like my way of just connecting myself with the industry because that was, that was the only thing I had, you know, otherwise I wasn't really right. besides going to the meetings. I, social media was the only way I was able to like really be involved in agriculture and turns out that's what I really liked about it. And from there, I um, actually became a marketing ambassador for Cattlemen's Convention, mm -hmm. and which is, you know, how I met you this last sure. time because uh -huh. I was there for the same reason. And I have no idea. I, I actually, prior to that, I was accepted to the Alabama Cattlemen's Young Cattlemen's Leadership Program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have to credit my stepdad for that because he wrote me a great recommendation letter. Um, but I, you know, I completed like the Masters of Beef Advocacy program, which I told mm -hmm. you about. Mm -hmm. um, I completed my BQA. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a lot going into it, especially like my peers that were a part of um, the Young Cattlemen's Leadership Program, who a lot of them already had their own operation. Mm -hmm. I just came in like, I have my MBA and BQA, um, but I didn't have much else to my name at that point. So that was really awesome because I made connections through that. And so uh, like, you know, I want to talk about that. Don't short sell yourself on that because those two programs are phenomenal as far as what they can teach you. And I've been, I mean, I've been BQA certified for uh, beef quality assurance for people who aren't familiar. I've been BQA certified for several years, but I just now at the recommendation of you completed the masters of beef advocacy and me, I've been, I mean, I'm third generation. My dad owned a sale barn. We've had a cow calf operation for all of these years. I learned so much in that masters of beef advocacy program. It was a, remarkable. The things that I didn't know about my own industry. Um, not so much like the cow calf or the feedlot side, but the processing side. And the, my favorite part was like the, was the culinary and nutrition side. I mean, that's cause that's kind of really what I'm getting more into myself now. And so like, I mean, it's just a wonderful program. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad that you enjoyed that. Cause I, I think we talked about it a little bit after you completed it, but, uh -huh. um, but I'm, I'm glad that you got that much out of it because I'm not just like advocating the MBA program for nothing. Like it seriously was, that's where I got a lot of my knowledge when I first started. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I do feel like, you know, we can be really good at raising the cattle, but maybe we're not so good with, you know, 
the beef side of it, the nutrition side of it, or right. you know, yeah. that, that aspect when it actually gets to the plate. So that gives you like the whole, you know, with your BQA and your MBA, like it gives you, you know, everything you kind of need to know on the basics of from farm to table. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think that those are just really good. And that's why I tell people, no matter where you are in your journey, even if you like aren't going to have cattle for the next 10 years, start with that because that's going to give you a pretty basic idea of what, you know, you should be expecting and what, you know, what it kind of looks like. Right. So, and I, and I've actually had a few people that I've recommended to that, you know, since I met you and everyone's come back to me and said that it was a great program. So yep. 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 I'm glad you guys, is it still like, um, is it 60 days or so to complete? It's work at your own pace. Yeah. I got it done in a week. I got it done in a week, but. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I bet I was able to just sit down and do it. Like, especially like the cow calf stuff, you know, a lot of that stuff I actually knew. Yeah. And Richard, that's kind of reassuring too, to, you know, that <laughs> I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> this is a good review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's like work at your own pace. I think you have to complete it within 60 days. But, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But that's what's nice about it is, you know, because at that time I started college again. So I was like, somehow I threw all that stuff onto my plate and was like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I got to figure out all these things. But yeah, so um, I did. I did that. I did Young Cattlemen's Leadership Program. And then, gosh, that seems like forever ago. That was only... <laughs> That was only what three years ago I did that. So you're you're new to the industry. I mean, comparatively so. And it's it, it's really I I talk about this often, and it's something I found out. I don't know a whole lot of people who are like you, or I haven't in the past. I do now, but I didn't before. You know, kind of starting this own journey of mine. I didn't know people who just started without being involved in it in the past. I mean, you were to an extent being in 4-H and and showing animals at the fair and that sort of thing. You know, and that's just a little bit of a fault of my own. I have kept a very tight circle for a long time and um, not really branched out a lot, but. Uh, still around here, there's not a whole lot of people like that who come to this industry from the outside. And I feel like that's one of the industry's biggest curses too, because there is so much, this is the way we've always done it type mentality. And the only way to really break that is to have really outside the box thinkers, which Thankfully, there are within the industry, but also to have fresh perspectives of people outside the industry to kind of bring a different vibe to it. And I feel like that is crucial to the advancement of the industry. Oh, yeah. 100%. I I will agree with you on that. You know, I I wasn't faced with a lot of pushback, you know, coming into it. There were people who I know, I just from in my soul, I just know that they were like, she is never going to make it or she is ridiculous. But, um, (laughs) but it's, it, it is necessary. And I, I guess for me, like, I'm hoping that I can be that, I can be that person for someone else who's wanting to get involved. I think it was, um, uh, oh gosh, who was it on, on Facebook? She was posting about how we need people outside of the the industry to, to come in and be involved. And she was, mm-hmm. you know, asking about different programs that people can get involved in who, you know, may not 
come from an agricultural background. And I, I commented on her post and I said, I don't know any programs off the top of my head, but I said, what we can do is we can do like what my stepdad did for me, write a recommendation letter, you know, tell someone, hey, this is a great leadership course, or this is a great program. And I think that you would be like awesome fit for it. So I'm gonna write you a recommendation letter in hopes that you're gonna get involved in it and people are going to, you know, start coming into the industry who may not have that experience, but they have that attitude and they have that, you know, uh, the soft skills, I guess, that we're kind of looking for in the mm -hmm. industry. And I think, and I have been guilty of it, you know, especially when I kind of started out way back in the day with like the horse industry, I definitely have judged people if they didn't fit a specific image Right. Uh -huh. Yep. I think we're all guilty of that at some point or another. We are. Yes. And I think that it's nice as I'm getting older and as I'm like branching out and meeting other people in the industry who are more progressive thinking than I am, it's making me realize, you know, there are so many different people. It is such a diverse industry and it can be even more diverse if we just kind of let go of all of these um, yeah. requirements that we place on people. Yeah. I mean, there is a certain, I feel like a lot of people just feel like there's this certain box that they have to fit in to be a farmer, be a rancher, be a cattleman. And I mean, that kind of thinking is what holds us back. I feel like, and I I've been guilty. Like I've been guilty of that for my own life. Like, they, you make a decision and I, I look at, I can't think of anything specific. Well, no, I can. I used to talk about running, you know, I think, you know, I, I run a lot and I used to think, well, that's not something a guy that has cows would do. I mean, that's, I know that sounds stupid. I mean, it really sounds stupid when I say it out loud, but I think a lot of people feel that way about, a, not just that, obviously that was just a certain example, but they feel that way about a lot of things. And that kind of, that line of thinking is really hurtful and just antiquated, I think is the, yeah. you know, it's out, it's out of date. Yes. And I think it, you know, not, it, it hurts other people, but it also hurts us too, because we're limiting ourselves. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, where there have been times when I've definitely been afraid, afraid to do anything um, within the beef industry, because I was afraid of what people would think of me. Yeah. And, um, and now as I've, I've kind of gotten really more involved and a little bit more successful in the industry, I've started realizing like, no, I, I've gotten here because of, of how I am. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if my story were the same as anyone else's, no one would want me on their nope. podcast. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, you're 100% right. And that's what makes, you know, a good advocate, a good friend of the industry, a good promoter is everybody do, doing it in their own way. Because, you know, you aren't for everybody, but you are for a lot of people. There are people who are going to listen to you. And that's what I found out is, you know, I'm not, not everybody wants to listen to me. You know, not everybody wants to hear what I have to say, but there are some people that I really relate to and, or that can really relate to me and vice versa. And I am very important to those people. And that's what you got to focus on. You got to focus on the people, on your people, on the people who, you know, you got to kind of find your niche, I feel like. And that's a, you know, with this world, this, this smaller world that we're in, this, the world that's been become smaller via social media, that ne those niches are getting smaller and smaller, but you are able to, um, 
talk to your audience more directly. Yes. Yeah. And those people, from what I found, things that I've, I've felt or I've, you know, um, expressed on my social media, people need to hear those things. And I, I never mm-hmm. thought that anyone would even care about anything I had to say, but it turns out that there are people who are like, oh, I feel the same. I'm so glad that you said this. You know, it, it's good to know that you're not alone. Right. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And that is a huge thing. I feel like, you know, obviously this podcast is about mental health and agriculture. And I think being able to tell your story and find those people who you relate to is really important and really important in kind of, you know, I don't like to use the word self-affirmation because I, I don't know, but like, um, making, like making you feel sure of yourself, you know, continuing your confidence and making you, you know, progress in telling your story. That's, that, that, that's really like, that's really important to our overall, overall well-being is kind of finding a tribe of people and find a, yeah. a group of people that we can relate to. Yes. Yeah. It's, that's kind of been, I guess for me, I've definitely come into this and felt like I was alone or that mm-hmm. uh, no one really understood my journey. And so I, I've definitely had to like go and find those people myself, right? Like I right, created yeah. the Girls Eat Beef too. And I've had people come to me that are now giving me that confidence and that reassurance that, you know, I am doing something that is inspiring. I am doing something that is good for the industry in one way or another. And so I, I do feel, I feel badly for people who kind of go through what I, I went through at first, who just felt like, I don't belong. I don't, Mm -hmm. there's no way I'm going to be successful in this industry. You know, I just hope that I can find them and that we can have our circle. You kind of touched on it a little, uh, a little bit earlier and, you know, it is kind of a good old boys club. Um, the industry is, and I've almost, even me want somebody who's been in it my entire life. You know, I felt kind of othered at times, uh, because of my kind of, backdoor way of coming into it, um, especially being more involved from like a social media and podcast form than, you know, obviously I've, I've been a producer too, but kind of that's, you know, working, working at it at a different angle. And me kind of, I felt like I kind of came into being more involved later in life than a lot of people do. And, you know, so that's like, I think that's really, it's, it's important to know that, there are people who have struggles and people who are had successes that still face those struggles on a day to day because it kind of helps us all relate to one another. Yes. And I, I mean, you probably know as well, social media, it's, you can just be on a high one day and just mm-hmm. like on top of the world. And then the next day you're just defeated. So I know. Yeah. I mean, people who like, you know, I I mean, relatively speaking, I don't have like as much success on social media as other advocates do, but just seeing the success that I've had in the past, you know, five months, Mm -hmm. there's still definitely, uh, I still struggle with a lot of different things like, you know, self-doubt about it or just being discouraged or just feeling like, you know, I didn't have anything inspiring to say or anything that was important. So we, we all know that, that you could 
you can still be very successful and still experience those lows. Yes. Yes. And I think that's where like, I think a lot of people like have this like doubt, this one-sided view of quote unquote success. And, you know, you, we see somebody, we perceive somebody as has made it or, you know, quotes there. Um, but we all have struggles. We all have things that we all have kind of demons that we have to chase. And it's important to be, be as transparent as possible with those. Yeah. Yes. And I, if you were to ask um, Austin, my boyfriend, he, mm-hmm. he could tell you, you know, how many times I've cried to him about something <laughs> just through this whole journey. Um, you know, something that's just really uh, stressed me out or, you know, just really not gone my way. So it's definitely, I I don't want people to think that what I do on social media or anything that I do in my life is perfect because I actually got flowers today at my office because last yesterday I had one of the worst days ever. And um, it's just, it, it, I just want people to know that yes, you can still be, you can still have a really good message and you can still have a lot of good things going for you, but you're going to have bad days. It's going to suck sometimes. Yeah. It's going to suck really bad. And it's going to suck really bad sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll attest to that. You know, that's, yeah. that's for sure the truth. So I want to talk, I want to give this, I want to give this ample time because I know how important this is to you. I want to talk about your heifers because seeing them online, like it, it like, that's one of my favorite things to see on social media is when you post pictures of your heifers because I am like unashamedly a Hereford person. I, I love Herefords. I just, we've had such good relationships with them. They have, I was out checking cows before you came and I sold my last Hereford bull last year um, just to kind of mix some genetics in. And I was looking to these, these Hereford calves and they're just, I mean, they're so much bigger than the rest of them. Like, they're just so much. Ni- I just feel like they're so nice, and you know. So, like, I, I I appreciate your your passion for your new herd. Well, and it's funny because when I when I first got to Alabama and was around our herd, you know, we had it was mainly Angus influence, mm-hmm. but um, we didn't have any Herefords at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't know honestly. It was when I started kind of really learning about the beef industry, which I, can I say I'm self-made? Cause I, you know, pretty much everything I know, it's just from what I yeah, like, sure. read myself, but I don't know what it was, but I just saw them. And of course they're beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, they're just their markings and everything. They're just really good looking animals. And I just knew from right then and there, I was like, I'm going to have Herefords. <laughs> and, you know, ever since 2016 when I was like kind of figuring out you know what I wanted you know my beef herd to look like um it was always Herefords and I actually remember where I lived in Alabama I always had to drive through like all of the pastures and stuff to get into Auburn Mm -hmm. and they always had like a Hereford bull out and they just looked so good and I Mm -hmm. was just like oh gosh they're beautiful and so um I knew when I started actually becoming more serious about my, you know, buying some, some heifers. And actually I started out not wanting heifers. I was actually going to buy some feeder steers, mm-hmm. but I was like, I don't care. I'm, I'm getting Hereford influence. Like that's 
that's what I want. And mm -hmm. I remember my, my uncle, um, he runs cattle here in California, mm -hmm. but I remember I called him. It, it's been maybe a few months now. Um, I called him right before I really was shopping for, for cows. And he's, I expected him to tell me like, don't worry about the breed. If you're just buying some feeder steers, just, you know, buy whatever you want. That's what I expected him to tell me. Mm -hmm. And when I told him that I wanted Hereford, he was like, and I said, I know that's silly. He said, no, what you have to do what you're passionate with. Like you have to get yeah. the breed that you want. And I remember that because he's, he's always intimidated me because he's so well versed in the industry. And I've always been really afraid to like go to him for any advice. And I was glad that when I did, he kind of reassured me that you have to do what you're passionate about. Like there's no point. Right. And so um, I was able to find some, I actually was supposed to be buying steers, right? And I got a call from the stockyards in Tulare County. John called me and he was like, hey, we don't have any steers right now, but I do have some heifers coming in. And he's like, are you interested in those? And actually, you know, I kind of, when I first started, I wanted to do cow calf operation, but here it's hard because I haven't been able to find the land. And right, that's right. a big part of having, you know, cow calf pairs. And, you know, obviously any operation, you know, it'd be nice to just have pasture to be able to, to graze. Right, um, yeah. And so I thought, I don't know if I can, because I only have like, you know, just this little one acre. It's essentially a dry lot is what it is. You know, I don't have any grass on it, but my heart was just like, just do it. You're going to figure it out and mm -hmm. you know, yeah. just go yeah. with it. So I was, <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I was just like, yes. So a few days later I went and I picked them up and I got really lucky. They actually funny story, which you might've already heard, but they came off of the Tulare County jail facilities farm. And oh, so yeah. they were essentially raised by prisoners. And it's really funny because I had literally just written a story about Tulare County Sheriff's jail. No kidding. Yeah. I had just interviewed our sheriff and talked to him about it and published the story probably a few weeks prior. And, um, and then when wow. when the stockyards called me and said, "Hey, we have some uh, heifers here," they told me where they came from, and I thought that is so cool. So how crazy uh, isn't that funny? Yeah, it, it was really neat, and I I always thought that that was interesting anyway. So so yeah, they're they're here, and I definitely I am learning a lot already. Just having them, I've had them for just like barely over a month now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I you know for me. I take a lot of things for granted, I know, because first of all, I'm in like God's country for raising cattle. I mean, we have, we grow grass. Somebody once told me they, we waste more forage in Missouri than New Mexico grows in a year. You know, I mean, and that's the truth. I mean, we get 50 some inches of rain a year. The, the temperature is, you know, very good for growing grass. The soil is very grow, good for growing grass. You know, it's just, I, I take so many things. For, and, and then not to mention, you know, we are very rural. I, we were talking before I started, you know, we're, you know, 
a hundred miles, give or take from the nearest real metropolitan area. And, you know, we live in a very ag friendly state because I mean, it's just that ag is a big part of our economy, Mm. you know? So like I, I take so much for granted. So that's, I think that's why I appreciate your story and your passion with starting this herd from yourself. I mean, you, you've done this on your own and it doesn't matter if you have three, 30, 300 or 3000, you're still a cattle producer, you know, and that is just the same sort of seat at the table as anyone else, because it's affecting your life. It is something that is so important and you're so passionate about. And I just, you know, don't ever, again, don't ever sell yourself short on that. I know we've talked about that before because you are the type of people who, you know, are innovative and you keep this industry going and keep it from being flat and being uh, stale. And I, I just, I, I can't say how much in, I en- enough how much I enjoy that. Well, I appreciate that. Again, I I'm so glad that <laughs> you find that my story is interesting because I'm telling you, like that's what keeps me going is people mm-hmm. who are inspired by by my story because I've honestly just never felt like it was really that important. And I sometimes I just felt like I was reckless. Like, yeah, was it a good time to really buy three heifers? I don't know, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. I mean, you've just like, you've just got to do what your heart tells you to do. And, you know, we try, this is different, obviously, but I feel like when we were trying to plan starting our family and we wanted things to be perfect, we didn't, we didn't want to have kids during hay season. That's (laughs) the stupidest thing I've ever heard now, but it's just funny the way we, you know, you're, you know, your 37 year old brain thinks about what your 20 year old brain thought. Um, but it, you know, you, we tried to plan then, you know, boom, we had twins, you know? So like life's never going to be perfect. It's never going to pre- be the perfect time for anything. So you may as well just do your thing because that is, you never know what life's going to bring. You know, it might be the perfect time. You don't know what's going to happen in six months and you know throw this whole thing out of whack you know it may have just absolutely been the perfect time it was the perfect time because you did it yeah yeah that i do i am very um uh i guess religious when it comes to that because i'm like yeah it's just it's god's timing you know yeah no i i totally agree i don't believe in i don't believe in coincidences like I, i i believe everything happens for a reason at a certain time for a certain reason like i i i believe that yes yeah and i think Maybe that's just my way to like reassure myself that (laughs) what I'm doing is right, but I do fully believe it and whatever it takes. Yes. And I think, I guess that's like what I want other people to know, you know, obviously I target women on my social media, but that's what I want people to know is just, you got to start somewhere and Mm -hmm. you have to you can you can always think of every single thing that could go wrong or you can always sit there and say i need all of these things to be met before i can do this and i did it myself before you just realize you just have to do it you have to try and no matter what happens at least you gave it a shot and right you know that at least you're not going to have that regret i'm a big like I don't ever want to live with regret kind of person. 
Mm -hmm. Like I always want to, I want to do things and maybe I'm just super emotionally driven, but like, I just want to do things when I want to do them. And I just don't, I just don't ever want to live with the, you know, the idea that maybe I'm going to regret not doing something later on. So that's it. I think it's a perfect way to live your life because I think a lot of people do live with regret and they do wish they would have done something. And then it turns out it's too late for something, you know yes. I mean? And I think we all might, we all have some things we probably regret, but we, I think that's the best way to live your life is try to, you know, take your chance, do it. If it works great. If not, you, you gave it a shot. Yeah. Yes. And I, you know, and I, I guess, I can relate that to almost every part of my life, you know, cause if I look mm-hmm. at it, especially right now, um, you know, I just graduated college last spring. Um, technically I graduated this spring because I didn't want to take all the classes. And I, you know, even when it comes to like my personal life, like I'm, I'm not married yet. I don't have kids. I'll be 30 in August, which, you know, my boyfriend can put a ring on it anytime, but, um, you know, I've definitely not done anything when I'm supposed to do them. And I just want people to know that it's okay. You know, if you didn't do it before, it's okay to, to do it now. And it's okay to be the beginner. You can be the 26 year old in a class full of, you know, 20, 19 or 20 year olds, you know, yeah, absolutely. And I've definitely had to make sacrifices. You know, when I went back to college, I had to find a program that would fit my schedule because I was having to work full time. I was having to pay right. mm-hmm. all my bills. And I also kind of was like, yeah, I don't really want to be in a classroom full of like 20 year olds. But, um, you know, I, I was able to figure out what I wanted to do and and make it work for me, even if that meant I sacrificed other things. Yeah. It it reminds me of this story. And when I went to college, um, I had a a girl in my class, pharmacy school is six years, or it was then at seven now. But I went to, I went to school in St. Louis and she was, I don't know how old, but she was old enough to have, you know, middle school aged kids and a, and a husband at home that worked, you know, and they were grain farmers in Northern Missouri. And she decided she wanted to be a pharmacist. She was, she was a grade school teacher and she decided she wanted to be a pharmacist. So she was, you know, probably in her forties and she went to pharmacy school and she graduated with me, you know, so it's, it's never too late to do stuff. You can always do stuff. My dad bought, my dad, he talked his entire life about buying a Harley. Um, he had a Harley when he was in his twenties and he never had one. And he kept talking about, he was going to get one, going to get one. Um, I was, I've talked before about how weird my family dynamics are. I'm super young in the family. My dad was 65 when I graduated high school and on his 60, when my dad turned 65, he bought that Harley. So like, it's, it's just a testament to like, it's never too late to do what you want to do with your life. Yes. Yeah. And like my, my dad too, he actually just like a few years ago started racing sprint cars and like, yeah, you know, we make fun of him for it being like a midlife crisis, but you know, it's just like, you, you have to live your life no matter what, no matter what the obstacles are that you have, you know, like I, my family, we didn't come from a lot of money. You know, my parents, my mom was 18 when she had me, my dad was 21 mm-hmm. and they, none, neither of them, you know, finished uh, college, um, at least their four year degrees. So definitely like 
they had to sacrifice a lot just to raise four kids. And right. now they're kind of at the point where we're all adults and they're able to, to do the things that they want to do. And I think like my dad sometimes has reservations about it, but he actually, I should say he's co-owner in my cattle operation because I was only going to get two heifers and my dad, I really wanted my dad to feel like he was a part of it. And he was, he was always asking me questions about it because he doesn't come from, you know, beef cattle background. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, we can get another cow for you. And so um, he actually bought one of the heifers, but, um, but it's just, it's, you know, I'm wanting to show him that, Hey, yeah, you can, you can follow. That is so, that is so cool. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's, that's a, that's a really, really cool that you guys can kind of share this together. Yeah. And well, right now I'm sure he feels like he's out of it because he lives about three hours South of where I live right now. But, um, I, I always, mm-hmm. I'm texting him pictures of them. And like, when I had to take my, mm-hmm. my one heifer to get her eye looked at, like I, I mm-hmm. him the pictures mm-hmm. and everything, like I let him know what's going on, but well, that was, you had to, you should have made sure that was his heifer so you could send him the, the vet bill, No right? kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> that, and that one's been the one that's been the toughest to handle. And uh-huh. it's funny because I, when we first brought him home, there's one that she's like, she's kind of broccoli faced and I don't like, uh-huh. I, I don't like that look, you know, I know a lot of people do, but I, I like mm-hmm. the classic, you know, bald the white face yeah and and so I was always joking like yeah that one's my dad's but now I think I'm gonna give him this one because she's the one who's giving me the most trouble (laughs) so and luckily I actually got lucky with that because I didn't have to have a vet bill because my my work you know our our chair was like bring her over and so they treated her but I guess my karma for that was my truck broke down but I just Oh shoot. You know, I mean, welcome to ranching. Like that's, I mean, that is like, if it's not one thing, it's another. I mean, we've had, like I talked about, we're getting up the hay and if it, if it hasn't been the baler, it's been one of the tractors. And then today the hydraulics on the, the mower conditioner, bro. Like, so, I mean, it's just, it's always something, you know, it's just the only, the only difference is like when you get bigger, it's just bigger problems. Right, yeah. <laughs> all the, all the problems are relative. That's the only thing. This, the, 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 the problems are relative to the size of the operation. Yes. Yeah. And that's why, like, I, I keep telling like my dad and my boyfriend, I'm okay with the amount of cattle I have right now because I know that from here, it's just, it's just going to be more and more work. And I tell you what, there are some days I wish I had three cats. Like, <laughs> I promise you, I promise you there are days like where I just like, man, it would be so nice to just have a couple of cows. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's and definitely like, uh, you know, I, I, I can't handle a lot more than that right now because I mm-hmm. have a lot of different things going on. You know, once I'm a little bit more settled down in my life, then I will hopefully expand. But right now it's nice because I don't have to worry about it as much as like yeah. you would. So, you know, it's just a you're kind of give and take. You have to figure out what works for you. And even if it's just yeah. one cow, like, Hey, do whatever you can do. Yeah. But, whatever you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Marky, I want to be 
respectful of your time tonight. I have really enjoyed getting to talk to you again. Like I, I, I talked to Ryan Goodman a few weeks ago and like, there's a very small group of people who I, I, I've talked to on this podcast that I've actually met in person and you're another one of those people. So like, it's, uh, I feel like, um, I have a special bond with you. So, um, yeah. you know, because I think this podcast really got going whenever we stopped having like we only got, got through half of a conference season i feel like and yeah. then it was all gone you know so uh hopefully there will be more meetups where you and i can see each other along with other people who i've connected through on this podcast so, you know oh, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 very looking forward to forging these relationships yes yeah and i can't wait like I, I look forward to Cattlemen's Convention every year just because it's that's where you do get to like hang out with people and meet new people that you've never met in the industry and, you know, make those connections. And I think that I, I can't wait until I can go to another Cattlewomen's meeting. Gosh, we haven't been able to do that in a while, but. Right. Will you be, but yeah, I'm so glad that I met you guys. Are you, uh, are you having plans to be in Nashville next year? Not right now. Um, I want to, but it just depends. It's right. That's a, that's a long ways for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It depends. I, I like being the ambassador on the ambassador side of things because the entire trip's like covered. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's why it's nice. But, um, but my goal is to, to try to keep going since, you know, now I'm, I'm in a job where it is kind of, it's relevant to right. my career. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that I can get there. I've never spent any length of time in Nashville. So, Oh, it's a great city. It's so great. Like I love Nashville because I drive, I can drive, I'll drive to it. You know, it's like five, yeah. it's like five and a half hours from me. So like, it's, it's nothing to, it's to drive down there for me. You yeah. know? So, um, we'll definitely, it was there a few years ago and Carrie and I made a trip out of it. It's a, Nashville's a beautiful city. I mean, not just like music row and, uh, you know, lo lower Broadway, the whole city is just really cool. There's some just, it's just, it's just a really, really cool. I think personally, I feel like it's the best city in America. Like I really, yeah. yeah. I mean, I haven't been to a ton of cities, but, uh, I, I just think it's great. Well, I, um, I, I'm looking forward to it because there's, there are a lot more bars and stuff and I'm not like a bar hopper, but you oh, know, when I'm at like, or Broadway is so cool. Like it's like, if we'll have to hang out down there, cause I'll show you the pool. I'll show you the cool places, you know, the places we really like. Tootsie's is the best place on Broadway. Like it's this little, just, I mean, no bigger probably than this, just a room, you know, and it's just jam packed tight in there, but it's so cool. Like, it's just such a cool place. I feel like I've heard of it. Yeah. It's pretty famous. You know, that's like where okay. Will, Willie Nelson's got, you know, was really made it really famous. And a lot of people, it's like, it used to, the, the reason it's so like famous is because the Ryman where the old, uh, where the Grand Ole Opry was, it's right across the street. Like people would walk out the back door to the Ryman and they would go spend the, you know, spend the rest of the night at Tootsie's. So it's, it okay. is, yeah, it's, it's just really a cool place. So Nashville's a great, great town. Well, yeah, I'm, I, I'm going to try to go to that then. So, and we can all, you know, meet up now. You can be a part of the NBA right. alumni yep. meeting. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. the reason I did it. I wanted the party, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason you do anything, right? Yeah, right. 
So I where um, I always want to give everybody the opportunity. Where can people find you online and where, uh, you know, if people want to reach out to you, how do they do that? So I have on Instagram and Facebook, I have the Girls Eat Beef 2 mm-hmm. page. T-O-O, uh, that's, right? Yes, T-O-O. Um, and then I have my own personal, you know, social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter under, well, Facebook is Marky Hageman, but Instagram and Twitter are ag writer Marky, mm-hmm. AG writer Marky. But yeah, I'm always on social media. That's what I do for my job. That's what I do for my hobby. So you can always connect with me through those very platforms. cool very cool well awesome well marky i really appreciate your time here tonight and uh look forward to talking to you again in the near future i know thank you so much this has been uh honestly it's been one of the more fun podcasts i've been on i feel like we really talked about a lot good of things. well i'm happy for that i try yeah. to make it enjoyable obviously you know yeah. um, and try to pride myself on being easy to talk to so i'm i'm, I'm yes. happy to hear that Yes. Well, thank you so much. And I can't wait until we can all hang out. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.